0: on the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's the Battle of the Big Men. We're giving our thoughts on the most gifted super heavyweights in wrestling history.
1: You know, I've been in a few Battle of the Big Men in my day, Mike.
0: I know that for 100% certain, my friend. Plus, your promo about nothing is coming up and so much more. But first, tell him, George.
2: I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. <laughs> Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to
0: my dementia?
2: This is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing.
0: Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 114, presented by... uh... Uh, well, we'll come back to that. My name <laughs> is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended height is from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now, he's a Ring of Honor wrestler, the Irresistible Farce, the immovable object, the Kingpin Brian Malonis. Hello.
1: Why, why am I the Irresistible Farce?
0: Uh, for copyright reasons.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> we don't want to get a cease and desist?
0: You just had to change something, yeah.
1: I don't know. We could be like the Young Bucks and uh, really turn uh, the cease and desist order into something.
0: Maybe we could. That'd really get us some publicity.
1: Yeah, there you go. Let's do it.
0: Look into that. <laughs> well, uh, as I kind of alluded to right from the top, last Monday, Brian, after our episode was released, BDA Radio closed its doors. Yeah. Can you believe it?
1: uh yeah i can <laughs> 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 all right
0: didn't expect the kind of honesty uh, <laughs> that's all right <laughs> what can you do uh yeah we were actually recruited by bda radio to start this podcast as a way to push the website bdaradio.com so guess you blew that one huh <laughs>
1: Well, you know what it is. We became bigger than the brand, and uh, you know we were carrying the whole thing, and we overshadowed everything, and the operation had to close down.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the BDA radio concept. Uh, I guess it never really just was fully formed and never completely got off the ground. I think, uh, and the podcast kind of became the focal point. I think you're you're correct. So. BDA radio is no longer. Um I don't know what I'm going to do. The longest running bit has to be scrapped.
1: Well yeah, that's the that's the real tragedy here I think. Uh What what are you going to do, Mike? Like half of uh half of your bits circle around uh, BDA radio. You're opening the the BDA radio bit. What are you going to do?
0: I am completely at a loss right now. I'm at a loss as they say.
1: You're at a loss. <laughs> yes,
0: I really have no idea what I'm going to do going forward, but we're <laughs> going to trudge through. And uh,
1: Thanks to the honest, honest, thanks to those guys for yes, getting us our start and, and kind of giving us the idea. I think we've talked about it before. Uh, they're a couple of my buddies, a couple of uh, my longtime buddies, uh, Paul and Chad. Paul is... Uh, my longest and, and best friend in the world and no offense, Mike. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, so thanks to them. And without them, this wouldn't have happened. They had approached me about doing a podcast and, you know, the, their original idea was thinking that guy would just be like a one man show or something. And I thought who better than to come harass me on a weekly basis than, uh, one Mike Crockett.
0: And that is why we are the number one thing to come out of this whole BDA radio thing.
1: We're the number one wrestling podcast about nothing.
0: That is true. That is true. (laughs) So yeah, thank you to Paul and Chad. Podcasters, when they first get started, it's like, I'll do it when when I can afford the equipment, when I can get a good microphone. But they afforded us the opportunity to just sit down on day one and record. They gave us the equipment. They bought the equipment for us. So it really made it easy to just, you know hit record and start talking so that's all thanks to Paul and Chad the old BDA radio team so
1: yeah but I thought you know I thought it'd be a fun thing here on the podcast uh for us to discuss right on air here who's gonna foot the bill now for for this podcast who's gonna pay my salary uh who's going to uh you know all the uh, all the maintenance kind of uh expenses that go into it I, I just you know where's that money gonna come from now
0: you heard that whole thing about the baby on the way didn't you
1: I don't want to hear that excuse. I I already have two children, so uh, I don't want to hear your I don't want to hear your sh- hardship sob stories. Come talk to me when you make two babies.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's just the thing is you've got all your finances worked out. You you know uh, you know <laughs> what it takes financially to put food in these uh, children's uh, mouths. So with me, it's still uh, I, I still got to figure all this stuff out. So you
1: better start taking up refereeing again, buddy.
0: I guess I better. Uh, I mean, I was going to say that we're not going anywhere. We will continue despite the fact that BDA Radio is no longer here. But at this point, if we don't know who's going to pay for our hosting and stuff like that, uh, you know, I guess it's fun while it lasted.
1: Well, see you later. (laughs) This is a feral episode of uh, the wrestling podcast about nothing.
0: Well, I think we're paid through uh, the middle of July, so it strangely coincides with uh, right around when the baby's coming.
1: (laughs) We're not going anywhere. I mean, me being a highly compensated, uh, world-renowned international wrestling superstar, I mean...
0: Oh, is that where I'm supposed to agree with you? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh,
1: Okay. (laughs) I could be a, a dirtbag former uh, referee. I thought
0: you were going to say you were a highly paid executive because I, I highly paid and, and pro wrestler, especially on the, you know, the independent. Oh, well, you're, I'm sorry. You're a ring of honor. So yeah, you're making the big yeah, bucks. Yeah,
1: get your facts straight.
0: Pardon me. Pardon me. So uh, uh, it seems like you're putting yourself over as this uh, daddy war box here. So it sounds like you're covering it
1: as far as yeah, i could as tell as if there was any question but, uh, <laughs> do you think we can do you think we could return that that mixer you're never going to use and uh pay for a few months of the hosting what do you think
0: Ooh, uh i'm really going to get on this before long what i'm going to be doing soon is reconfiguring uh the whole apartment here um and once i do that i think i'm going to figure out how to get this mixer up and running
1: you're going to use it as a changing table for the kid <laughs>
0: No no, no, it's far too. there's far too many knobs and buttons. It'll be far too bumpy for the kid to be on. So um, we'll find a way. We'll, we'll make it work.
1: <laughs> yeah, believe it when I see it.
0: Uh, well, ROH tried to make it work in New York City kingpin the news a couple weeks ago at this point was ray of honor was going to run a show at madison square garden the mecca the biggest arena the most famous arena in the world roh Ring of honor was going to invade wwe's home arena so to speak msg madison square garden and that was the news a couple weeks ago since then, we found out that that is not going to happen, according to a interview with Joe Koff on PW Insider, I believe.
1: Uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah, the, I, I did see a interview or a statement from, from Joe Koff come out. So, I mean, there's only one thing really to be said, Mike. Uh, WWE crushing Brian Malonus' dreams since 2001. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's a bummer. It really is a bummer. I think it would have been a really cool thing. And who knows? Maybe... Uh, you know, if you read the statement or you read the interview or whatever, it, it doesn't sound like uh, that's the end of the story here. So we'll see how it all plays out. And, uh, you know, I, I ho- hopefully it comes to fruition. Um, my, my guess is it would have been, I don't know if it, that was, if it was confirmed or not. My guess is it it would have taken place during WrestleMania weekend when there's, you know, uh, going to be hundreds of thousands of wrestling fans in the area. Um, yeah,
0: that was the rumor. Yeah.
1: That makes the, that would make the most sense for trying to draw a house of, I mean, what sixteen, seventeen thousand?
0: Yeah, uh, potentially. I think up towards a twenty. I think right. MSG,
1: something like that. Yeah. So I mean, bit of a disappointment, and you know, uh, you know what? No matter, no matter what, though, WWE is not going to be able to stop the momentum that Ring of Honor has right now. I mean, you know, all the all the venues now that um, are upcoming for the most part are, are arena type places. So. Really cool stuff. They just announced in September going back to Las Vegas this time and then the Orleans, Orleans or something arena. So WWE can stop the MSG show, but they can't stop the momentum of Ring of Honor.
0: WWE also kind of getting in bed with NOAA, Pro Wrestling NOAA, which is uh, you know a competitor, a rival promotion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So it seems like, yeah, WWE not resting on their laurels they're not just sitting at the top of the mountain looking down they are really taking the temperature of the wrestling business and keeping ROH in check keeping New Japan in check uh WWE is definitely not just uh sitting back and letting things happen
1: no, I mean, that, but that tells you that maybe they're a little worried. Maybe they're, they do have, you know, I know, uh, Jamie Jemikowski came on this podcast and he is, we get fury for being, crap for being a WWE shill, but Jamie is the ultimate, <laughs> uh, WWE shill. And, um, they're not making these moves unless they feel feel compelled to.
0: Yes, and you can hear Jamie Mikowski on For the Pops and the Let the Chaos Begin podcast on the NAI Pop Network, where he talks glowingly about WWE on a weekly basis, uh, so check that out. And yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Ring of Honor. There's, I, I mean, rumblings of possible litigation. I don't know... Where that could possibly be going. We'll have to keep our ears to the ground on that one. And, you know, you get the inside scoop uh, in the locker room and come back and broadcast it to the world on this podcast.
1: Should I, yeah, should I, should I reach out to, to Joe Koff and see if he'll give us an exclusive mic? Is that what you want me to do?
0: Yeah. I mean, you've done a number of things for him. You sat on an egg for him. <laughs> the least he can do, right?
1: <laughs> no, he does plenty for me, uh, you know no mike no <laughs> i'm not doing that you're being ridiculous why don't you why haven't you you've been in this pro wrestling business a long time why haven't you developed any credible sources
0: and uh, no, i've got a couple i got a couple
1: do you know yeah oh, oh the one that the one that told you uh whose kid that deemed with that wrestlemania they were braun Strowman. some of the, is your source the person who gave you the that misinformation
0: that it was Seamus's son? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was one of my sources. Who, who's your source? Dave Meltzer?
0: Oh, FDM. Here we go again. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Bruce Pritchard Schill right here. The Kingpin <laughs> Brian Malonis. Sure. Speaking of podcasts, last week we did True confessions on episode 113 of the wrestling podcast about nothing uh brian we had some confessions come in one from our buddy randall keogh at randall keogh on twitter he says my confession at lantern underscore red and i turned down wrestling school because we we're handed a business card from a guy at a flea market and we didn't know him i'd say that was a crisis averted <laughs>
1: uh perhaps
0: <laughs> guys at flea markets probably not the best place to get your wrestling training from
1: now, now, were you trying to, when you saw this tweet, Mike, were you like me trying to figure out like, ooh, was this somebody we know potentially?
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure. I don't know any flea market wrestlers, though. Oh, and
1: maybe I do. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: May Randall can let us know. If he doesn't want to put out in public, give us the old, you know, private message. All right.
1: <laughs> Steven,
0: of course, my evil nemesis at guy 2004 he says his wrestling confession... I once cheered for referee at Croc Sox.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, Steven's now ostracized from the community, I'm sure. Uh,
0: thank you very much, Stephen, for uh, once cheering for me. Thanks very much. He was much.
1: excited about the prospects of seeing some black undies.
0: <laughs> God. Uh, the dirt sheet shuffle last week, Brian. You're still basking in the aura of your big victory.
1: Oh, mission accomplished, Mike. Mission accomplished.
0: You're 10 and 9 now in the Dirt Cheat Shuffle, and just, uh, I heard you went out and had a hot fudge Sunday just to celebrate.
1: <laughs> what else would I have?
0: Of course. So, uh, <laughs> Randall, once again, says, this is his uh, impression of the Dirt Cheat Shuffle. Wrestler got injured in his 2015 Chevy Impala. Brian chooses that, and Crockett says wrong, because it was a 2014 Chevy Impala.
1: <laughs>
0: that, that is not the kind of uh, chicanery that I pull in the dirty shuffle, Randall. That is uh, sh- bears no resemblance to what I do in the dirty shuffle.
1: So you're 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 not gonna you're gonna sit here and disrespect our our listeners, our loyal fans. You're gonna sit here and disrespect them uh, in that manner when you know it's true. Uh,
0: maybe once I did something to that effect, but you gave me a a, a ration of shit for it. And then I decided to go a little more by the book. And, uh, you know, I haven't fooled you since.
1: You cheated and you still counted that victory, though.
0: That wasn't a cheat. It's it's. <laughs> I, I just decided to take it a little easier on you, Brian.
1: <laughs> yeah, did you? Or you got lazy, too.
0: Uh, f- f-
1: f- f- <laughs>
0: All right, Brian. I'm going to get lazy right now and not even plug BrianMalones.com. That is all up to you.
1: Well, you have it in weeks anyways. You do the same bit where you just turn it over to me. But yeah, head over to BrianMalones.com. Get yourself a Mastodon t-shirt. Get yourself a Kingpin t-shirt. And if uh, you want us to keep getting this podcast hosted, you better go buy some Curtain Jerker t-shirts or we're done in the middle of July.
0: <laughs> yes, the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt is available. It is a snazzy Piece of merchandise, go get that and wear it proudly, representing your favorite podcast, the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And speaking of which, find us at the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com, our home base, our website. So check that out for the episodes every week, the places you can subscribe to the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, plus our bios, old pictures, a ton of stuff over there to check out on the WPAN.com. And between podcasts, make sure you go to Facebook and join the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group. We're both there talking about the wrestling podcast, about nothing, and all wrestling podcasts. Just go to Facebook, put in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts, and join us and enjoy. Brian, we're talking this week about wrestling's best big men, and of course the inspiration for doing this is Big Van Vader, Leon White, who passed away last week at the age of 63, of course, we had heard that he was diagnosed with congestive heart failure, and they told him he had about two years to live. He lasted almost two years, and he passed away uh, following a month-long hospitalization for pneumonia that was on June 18th. And uh, so, Leon White, Big Van Vader, no longer with us. Brian, I always kind of uh, made fun of you because during a camp with Tommy Dreamer, I believe, Tommy asked you who your favorite wrestler was. And you said Vader, even though your favorite wrestler is Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> I think the reason you said that, though, is because Big Van Vader, uh, if you were a big guy in the business, he was the prototypical big guy. He's kind of what you would aspire to be—a a big guy who can move. Is that correct?
1: Right. Well, I, the one thing I will say is I, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge your statement there. I don't think he's the prototypical big guy. I think he's one of the first big guys to to move in the manner he did and to go to the top rope and um he yeah wasn- he was
0: atypical. Yeah, you're right.
1: He wasn't just this plotting big man who you know he, he was vader was impressive especially uh that early kind of 90s era vader was just uh on another level um i think i came to appreciate him once i actually got into wrestling and, and started to try to find my niche try to find my style um you know I, i'd like to think i'm fairly athletic especially for a fellow of my size and um i didn't really identify a whole bunch with the the plodding big men i i you know, i was always impressed by the big men who can who can move who can do things who can actually wrestle and 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 work and uh vader was right up there with the with the best of them you know one of the best big guy wrestlers of all time i think
0: and i asked you earlier i texted you and asked you if you had been around vader and you said you had right
1: yeah so um i think it was was it last year maybe it was maybe it was two years ago now um almost two years ago now that was on a Top row promotion show in Brockton, Mass. A stadium show, and the Playboy. My brother, the Playboy, actually got to be in the match with Vader and work with him. But yeah, wasn't in, was in a locker room with him. Got to converse with him a little bit. Guys were asking him questions. He was telling stories. Uh, the Playboy. I think the Playboy posted a picture. Yes,
0: um, I retweeted that.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah. So th- that was that was really the only time I was ever you know ever around him, but. Just, you know, he obviously older now, not moving as well as he did in his day. And he was still out making towns and whatnot, but still pretty cool to be around a guy of, of that, you know, of such legendary status. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's sad to see him lose his life. And, you know, also sad is the fact that, you yeah, know, he's going to go in the WWE Hall of Fame someday, but it's just too damn bad. He's not alive to see it. Like that, that's, that's such a shame because, They've, they've had an opportunity and it makes you wonder why he's not in yet and now here we are again where there's another situation where they're going to have a guy that goes in you know after he's passed away
0: yeah and the fact that they only like to put in it seems like they like to put in one person who's deceased per year and i think that he could be at a at the end of a long line i think because you know obviously a lot of people have uh Passed away before their time in professional wrestling.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I mean, Vader definitely passed away before you know he was sixty two, but you know, being a big guy and whatnot, and you know, it, you know, his death isn't some like some of the tragic wrestling deaths that you talked about, which kind of makes it a little even more infuriating that uh, he hasn't been placed in the Hall of Fame yet, because uh, like, what, I mean, what is the case against the guy? Like, what? How could you? How could you, how could he not already be in? That's the thing that just kind of, uh, when you think of some of the, some of the people that have gone in, and I know it's, it's pro wrestling, it's subjective, it's, you know, there's so many things that go into it, but boy, wouldn't Vader seem like a, like a slam dunk, no brainer, you know, especially for, you know, like the Atlanta WrestleMania or some of those ones down south or, or whatever. I, I, I don't know. Does this, does this strike you as weird too that he's not in?
0: Yeah, and I think part of it could be just the WWE attitude towards him. I mean, as soon as he came into the WWF, he had that great angle with Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, but then I think he, you know, was just, he was suspended after that because in reality he had an injury, and he came back and he worked with Shawn Michaels and Shawn didn't like working with him and gave him a hard time, and he never got that big win against Shawn Michaels, never got the championship. It seems like I heard Jim Cornette speaking about this earlier, and he said that Vince never really seemed to get Vader. Which was, you know, if, if Vince is in your corner, you're going to have a hard time becoming the top star in the WWF, much like he was in WCW. I know it was definitely lean years when he was in WCW, but he had a, a tremendous run. I remember just, he's one of the only guys at that time where you watched his matches and you were like, holy shit, this is a fight. Those clubbing <laughs> blows were, I, mean, I assume they were, they were clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> didn't look like didn't look very fake to me the way he was just he would just bat some guy's head around and uh he in wcw he was tremendous did you see his wcw work uh
1: yeah yeah i mean later on more more later on though than i, I mean I, i'm sure i think about it now and i'm sure i watched as a kid because i watched all sorts of wrestling probably more wrestling than i can ever remember but um you know really later on watching like some of the him and flair stuff the him and hogan stuff is whatever uh, uh yeah. him and cactus jack just some brutal matches yeah, that, that, that's the stuff that really sticks out to me
0: yeah i think that's partially where he got the reputation for being stiff uh, being like uh Kind of even dangerous was when he would do these matches with Cactus Jack or he'd powerbomb him on the unprotected floor. And, you know, make no mistake, this is something that I'm sure Mick Foley agreed to and wanted to happen. I think I read something with Mick Foley, you know, after the death of Vader where he was like, This Vader is the only guy that can make a, you know, a six foot four, 280 pound ugly man a sympathetic character (laughs) and i I think that was true because vader really uh they worked hard to get kax jack over as a baby face and vader yeah pummeled the literal not the literal shit out of him but pummeled the shit out of him and yeah that's the only way you could get sympathy on a guy that looked like Cactus Jack a guy that acted like Cactus Jack who had the reputation of Cactus Jack Vader had some great matches with you mentioned Ric Flair that Starcade match was something special where Ric Flair you know he was going to retire if he didn't win the championship from Vader that was a great match the Hogan stuff like you mentioned that was eh, it was it was so convoluted uh of course Vader wasn't going to stiff the hell out of hulk hogan and you know have a realistic looking slobber knocker of a match if you will But I mean, the flair, like, taking the pin for one of the matches that he wasn't even involved in with Hogan and Vader, it it just got uh, kind of uh, ridiculous after a while. But Sting as well, the feud with Vader and Sting uh, was tremendous. I heard people talking about that was probably some of his best stuff, his stuff with Sting. And some of Sting's best work was his matches with Vader. But, yeah, when he came to the WWF after all that he wasn't in the favor of vince mcmahon as i mentioned uh wasn't in the favor of the click and uh you know you don't have those guys in your corner you're not gonna be able to do a lot in the wwf despite you know all the talent and all the size and all the you know just just look at the guy how can he not be the world champion of the wwf
1: yeah i'm not sure wwe's ever known quite what to do with uh big guys other than you know during the hulk hogan era they were really good at feeding um, the monster of the month theory you know (laughs) they just find these big guys and hogan would beat them and he'd do the house show loop with them and then then on to the next one um so i I don't know if they ever really knew what to quite do with a big guy and then there's that whole to me again you make fun of me for with that wwe thing of like hey let's hire this fat guy oh shit well how'd this fat guy get here you know (laughs) like what's he doing here who hired him
0: that's how you end up with him calling himself a big fat piece of shit on uh, WWF pay per view.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he was probably called that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They uh, to me, they've never known quite what to do with with big guys, and um, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, and, and, and in all honesty, too, he's probably a little bit past his prime at that point, too. I mean, you know, being speaking firsthand, being this size, and then doing some of the things he did, you know, your body's gonna be beat to hell. And, you know, he was a little past his prime, I think, you know, probably at the, you know, in WWE, but, but still could have been a top guy should have been a very tip top guy for, for a hell of a run. Um, you know, unfortunately it didn't, it didn't work out, but still, I think, you know, one of the, one of the greats of all time and, um, you know, maybe one of the best big men wrestlers, if if not the best big man wrestler of all time.
0: Yeah, Brian, and we're gonna get into that. Best big man in professional wrestling. I think it's a perfect opportunity to do so, talking about Vader, who I think was just seen not just as a a, a good big man, but a great big man and like a legit badass. Like I mentioned just the that was always the spot when they had the uh squash matches and that Enhancement Talent was stuck in the corner. That was uh, the wrong part of town during a Vader <laughs> match. So, yeah, you'd always see those big ham hocks pummeling this guy's head back and forth, and that was always uh, not the place you want to be with uh, a guy like Vader.
1: And that's something I've done throughout the years, too. And, I mean, I have a damn Mastodon skull as my as my logo. So, I mean, um, Vader might not have been my favorite wrestler, but he is certainly somebody who has and continues to have an impact or an influence on on the things I'm doing. I mean, I go on Ring of Honor television with uh, a Mastodon logo and Vader was the Mastodon. I didn't, you know, that's that idea was completely stolen and lifted, obviously.
0: <laughs> like most of your stuff, right?
1: Like everybody's stuff at this point, buddy.
0: <laughs> and we actually did talk about your personal journey as a super heavyweight in the podcast we did about nine months ago called Haas Fight. And we brought up Vader and a number of uh, different things and just your journey as a kind of a big man in a little man's world. So go back and check out, I believe it's episode 81 of the wrestling podcast about nothing. We talked a lot about your own journey. But let's talk about the best big men in professional wrestling over the years. In the early days, like you mentioned, the plotting big men, uh, that was what wrestling was. Fat guys, as OVP would call them, right?
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, you, the, the the quintessential one you think about all the time is the one, Jesus, I mean, everybody who's over 50 years of age, uh, I used to watch Haystack's Calhoun. Yeah. Like, that's always the, <laughs> you know, like, that, it's some, like, 60-year-old dude who sees me, oh, you're like, Haystack's Calhoun, like, shut up.
0: <laughs> and what was the story that walter uh, killer kowalski would tell about haystacks
1: <laughs> that he would that he had the claw on him just squeezing and squeezing i was squeezing and squeezing his belly and he let out a fart and walter passed out
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he won he won that way by technical knockouts
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, the Haystacks Calhoun was one of those guys. How about the McGuire twins? I don't think I've ever seen them wrestle. I've just seen that picture of the two of them on these little motorbikes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Do you you remember, speaking of fat guy wrestlers from the the, the olden days, uh, Matt Logan of the Logan Brothers being completely obsessed with Happy Humphrey?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't remember that.
1: You don't remember this? Yeah. Happy, Happy Humphrey was a big guy... Wrestler and uh, Matt Logan had a bit of a, an obsession with them. I think that might have been a, like been a whole bit we created when we were working at uh, the old uh, dildo factory. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the uh, the early days. Happy Humphrey, Hey Calhoun, and then we kind of got into the eighties, and you had your your Kamala's, you had your your cousin Luke's,
1: Uncle Elmer.
0: Uncle Elmer, thank you very much, Uncle Elmer. But in the 80s, though, Brian, in the 80s, you did start to see guys that could move a bit better for their size.
1: Well, even like Kamala. Kamala used to do the splash from the top rope at one point, did he not?
0: Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, maybe. okay, maybe I'm... uh, condemning uh kamala a little more than i should here but yeah the guys could move a bit better in the 80s here do you is there anyone uh would you say any of these guys from the 80s would be among the best big men
1: well i mean i i I mean he's from the 80s he was this fellow was there i mean he was in the wrestlemania 4 tournament and and was uh was a uh, i think was a guy who, who WWE probably was high on and that, and that was Bam Bam Bigelow i mean bam bam bigelow goes back as as far as what 80 you know 87 88 somewhere in there yeah. so i mean I, yeah bam bam bigelow to me is um jesus just out another guy outstanding the way he could move in the ring the things he can do i mean i can't do a cartwheel or or a <laughs> or a um moonsault but i mean he's another one that I, that i really have just watch the way he moved in the ring and how fluid he was. I mean, the, that, I think that's the thing with Bam Bam Bigelow is just how fluid he moved in the ring for a guy, uh, his size and just, just looked, <laughs> looked the part too. Just an absolute badass. I mean, who gets their freaking skull tattooed? But yeah, I, th- I think Bam Bam, um, The boss man dates back to the 80s. He's another one. These are the guys that really have always stood out to me, along with Vader, as Bam Bam Bigelow and the big boss man just fantastic and the way they the way they could move at that size is just so impressive it just it went beyond the just the plodding um you know fat guy match that you would that you would kind of think of they they, they could just do things and just and even even if it wasn't like doing things like moonsaults it was just the fluidity of their movements and uh, the fact that they could actually wrestle and put on these compelling matches that that was just so damn impressive
0: Bigelow, I think, was the first guy I saw that was like, "Holy shit!" The way he would vault over the top rope and splash the guys, just the fact that he could leap and a single bound over the top rope and land on a guy was really, really impressive to me. And of course, you know, the cartwheel and the top rope headbutt, all that stuff. Bam, bam was. Yeah. He was a revelation at the time. 87, I think, yeah, was the first time he came in with the whole manager search. Uh, Bam Bam was, yeah, he was something really impressive, especially, obviously, for that time, the 80s. And the big boss man, you are correct, sir, uh, really impressive as well. The way he could move just unbelievably started out on tv in the old studio world championship wrestling tv tapings he was in the studio there just a a six foot four six foot five guy just losing to tully blanchard in three minutes and they realized there was something there dusty Rhodes is booking up the time and Dusty pulled him off TV and brought him back as Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, of course, that is your dad. You are Big Brian Rogers <laughs> later in your career. But yeah, and then he came to the WWF. He was the big boss man and just had uh, extreme agility for a guy who was, I mean, he got smaller at one point. When he turned babyface, he was probably probably under 300 pounds. But he was, uh, when he first came in, you know, what they bill him at, like three fifty-seven or something like that. He was probably, if not there, just about there. And he, yeah, he could do some great things for a guy of his size. Not the same kind of, you know. He was doing moonsaults. He wasn't leaping over the top rope, but he could. He could just plain move for a guy his size. What about the one man gang? brian he is a monster of a man you know got the mohawk the tattoo you're talking about the tattoos he's got the skull tattoos on the side of his head he could he could move for a guy he he could get off of his feet do the big splash and all that stuff he did the 747 off the middle rope the big splash he was a guy that was offered a little something more than the typical big man
1: yeah i mean i i think he's a little bit more in the in the in the vein of the traditional traditional big man, but but somebody who could wrestle like, th- and that, that's the thing that a lot of people when it comes to big guys, it just you just kind of get looked at and you're like yeah, you know, painted
0: with one brush,
1: yeah exactly, and then the fans see you, and sometimes the guys you're going to wrestle see you, and, and they may not know you, and and, and they just kind of think like oh here we go sort of <laughs> uh, sort of thing, and uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, one man gang, Akeem... The African yes. Dream. You know, I, I, I don't think he's quite in the category of, of Vader and Boss Man and Bam Bam Bigelow, but still tremendous. But I think see, he's more in the, I think, in the traditional vein of big man, though, you, you know, when you think of big guys.
0: But very good at what he did, and especially yeah, the fact that he was saddled with this gimmick and made it fun, despite the you know the absurdity, despite the racial insensitivity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he did make it uh, somewhat enjoyable to sit and watch a 450 pound white man act like an African American gentleman.
1: Have you ever have you ever seen the clips from from Dusty Rhodes versus Akeem?
0: <laughs> I uh, it's not pop it into my memory but i'm sure i have
1: yeah we'll have to find it and share it on uh, it's 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 absolutely tremendous my tag team partner another 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 very good big man performer the beer city bruiser is the one who uh who shared it on social media i saw i saw one time
0: oh is that where he he, he's hitting Akeem and Akeem is selling wobbling and then dusty is wobbling next to him yes (laughs) yes okay i did see that yeah so would you consider Dusty Rhodes a, a big like let me ask you one thing. Do you differentiate between big men and giants?
1: Yes. Yeah. Like I like when we're thinking about this, like I'm not thinking of like the Andre the Giant or or the Big Show or, or guys like that. Those are giants. Those are I think those are a completely different category to me. Because like I think like an Undertaker or a Kane are in that category too, the giant category.
0: Okay, so it's it's strictly fat guys.
1: yeah i guess (laughs) okay (laughs) that was
0: for you ovp uh okay so we we talked a little bit about the 80s in the 90s of course the guy that brought this whole thing to the table vader came to prominence in the 90s and he does the moonsault you know takes your breath away and guys in the 90s that really broke the mold for big men i i would say right off the bat to me yokozuna
1: yeah, I mean, what was really impressive about Yokozuna was just, was his sheer size. Like, he was a monster. His girth! <laughs> and just dropping that heavy leg on people, and good God, good gravy.
0: <laughs> yes, that bonsai drop, um, you know, if he liked your, or if he didn't like you, would that would determine whether he landed on his feet or just sat full force on your effing face. <laughs> I remember one of the squash matches that Yokozuna had, he, di- he did the whole bonsai drop where he just basically did a split and just put his feet out straight and just sat on the guy. And you could hear in the replay the job guy going, no, 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 ah!
1: <laughs> literally. Yeah, he, he I mean, he's one of the few, you know, quote-unquote fat guys, as as you and the OVP guys like to say, uh, that WWE actually really got behind. I mean, he's a two-time WWF champion and um, multi-time tag team champion, I think, too. So, somebody who, who the company actually got behind at one point.
0: Yeah, and just a, a good worker, which it's hard to say. I mean, a, a guy who knew his size. Talk to me a little bit, Kingpin, about working as a big man and using your size to your advantage in a match
1: well I think I think one thing that helped me from the start is that you know in, in at the time when I first started training um, I didn't necessarily understand why at the moment but now or you know or, or as I got to you know actually work shows and whatnot it made a lot more sense to me and I, I was trained um I was trained like everybody else, so I, I had to do all the drills everybody else did. I had to uh, learn how to wrestle, even though I'm thinking like, "Oh, I'm a big guy; I'm never going to have to use this." But that helped me so much. So my my mindset has always been to try to incorporate these things that that other big guys just can't do, and to move in a way that other big guys can't. Uh, like I said, I like to think um, I'm a pretty good athlete for a guy my size, and just to have that the I, you know. I, just to be smooth in the ring and, and don't be this big plotting guy that – the traditional you know when you think of traditional uh, big guys i wanted to be in the mold of a bam bam Bigelow, a a uh, big boss man a yokozuna i mean the one thing i will say <laughs> is that when you're a big guy and you go into these matches everybody wants to pick you up everybody <laughs> I, I, you know every guy i think i've ever wrestled they want to pick me up they want to do something crazy to me um and sometimes i i let them and sometimes i'm like well no because that's dumb <laughs> but um, th- th- that's one thing that, uh, especially wrestling and pro wrestling in 2018, everybody wants to throw around the big guy.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time we brought in, in Chaotic Wrestling, a tag team called uh, Republic. Yes. It was two large, large individuals, one of them, Falaba, who is now on Impact Wrestling TV, and another guy by the name of Congo. I just remember their first match, we built them up as these two monsters, and their very first match, they both bumped. And to me, you have to build up to a a big guy being taken off his feet. And I think that early on, their very first appearance, you want to get these guys over as killers. You want to get them over as just, you know, unstoppable forces, not to... I combined your two names there. I think that may, that'll that get by the uh, <laughs> trademark lawyers. But I, I think that that was way too soon. And you got to – it's really not – these days, Brian, it's not so much uh, held to. But the fact that these guys bumped like two seconds into the match, it really took some of the mystique away from them. And you have to really save your bumps as a big man, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's not adhered to in, in twenty eighteen. Very rarely right. is it is it, but and that, that's a way for me that I can try to stick out and and be different is um, to actually still try to to limit that stuff a little bit. Make my size mean something. Make somebody work to actually get me off my feet um, because I am you know a big physical specimen. Yeah, the, the, it's just sometimes it's just uh, you know what it is what it is in 20, 2018, Yeah, um, but I think there's still there's still a place for trying to protect you know protect your size and, and be that big imposing force.
0: And we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on these days in the independence and all the way up to WWE with big guys, but guys from the nineties. Before we move on, like guys, how about earthquake? This guy is someone who I don't think was appreciated at the time. You know, he's a a guy with a a girth to him. He doesn't have a great head of hair.
1: Oldest looking like 28 year old of all time.
0: <laughs> yes. Of course he's, you know, he's got Dino Bravo and Jimmy Hart by his side. That doesn't help his case. <laughs> but Earthquake, I think was very good uh, as a big man. Do you agree with that?
1: I do yeah again though he's more that to me that traditional uh sort of big man but yeah I thought earthquake was great he was he was brought in to be I think the monster of the month at at one point and uh the longevity of his career I mean again the the one sad theme that we're kind of seeing a lot here is, is a lot of these guys are no longer you know no longer with us and yeah but Impressive his his longevity and all the different characters he played, well, kind of in WCW. I guess it was the same character <laughs> by different by different names, but yeah, I mean he he was impressive. He he's another guy who could who he he moved smoothly. He had fluidity to it to his movements, uh, and he could actually bump and work a little bit too. So um, yeah, another another really impressive guy. You know him along with him, you think of the natural disasters that that that's the team that everybody always compares like a me and Bruiser to, which uh, you know I guess it's a fair comparison.
0: earthquake too just uh being able to do that earthquake splash and not kill a guy that takes some talent and he did that you know week in and week out that uh you know that sitting splash off the ropes earthquake yeah was just i would say yeah you're right a little more the traditional sense he wasn't doing moonsaults and stuff but Quick on his feet, a a guy who can move, really move for his size. Uh, Later in the 90s, what do you think about, I mean, he didn't really start out as a big man, but he got there. Uh, A guy like Rikishi.
1: I mean, not not my favorite. Um, you know, I think I think he's a good worker. I think, I mean, he got, he obviously had crazy athleticism, and it's it's funny when when you think, I guess you can kind of think of our buddy Julian Star. Um, Wait, what are you saying? Oh, <laughs> well, he's a fat guy wrestler now. Okay. <laughs> but he but he it, it, it's funny as sometimes with guys as they get bigger, they keep their athleticism. Um and and Rikishi certainly did keep a good amount of his athleticism uh, as he got bigger and and he, he's one of the biggest stars of the Attitude Era uh, that Brian Fury hates so much.
0: <laughs> and he always took that Rikishi bump that looked tremendous.
1: Oh, yeah, the, uh, the inside-out one you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and I mean in these circles, it's simply called the Rikishi Bump.
1: Well, that's not what I call it, but, you know. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. I think that was Handsome, Handsome Johnny, a.k.a. Hanson of the War Raiders who would call it the Rikishi Bump.
1: Yes, who, who, who we might talk about in a few moments here.
0: Okay, so anyone else in the history of wrestling before we get to the state of big men today?
1: um i mean I, th- I think we hit the kind of the cream of the crop the guys at the top of the list the guy all the guys that i've looked up to as I, you know as i've gotten into you know my pro wrestling career and looked for guys to emulate and I mean, like, I guess it'd be remiss to not mention another, another name, uh, uh, that, that was given to me because I'm a big guy and that's uh, Crusher Jerry Blackwell. Uh, okay. So I guess I was his son at one point, but he's again, when you think of like the stereotypical sort of big man, I mean, I think he's, he's somebody that, that people will remember.
0: And he was a guy that could move for his size. He wasn't a overly tall guy as well. He was he was a shorter guy and I think that might have uh Made him work a little harder because he wasn't the traditional big guy who's, you know, 6'5". So he he worked a little harder. He, he bumped a little more than probably he should have. But, yeah, Jerry Blackwell spent most of his time in the AWA. He's a guy who definitely deserves a mention. How about King Kong Bundy? Can we mention King Kong Bundy just for a moment? Sure. He's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I once saw him wrestle a match uh, in Velcro sneakers.
0: He did. Later in his career, he decided, (laughs) fuck the boots. I'm just gonna wear
1: sneakers. <laughs> I mean, and then also too, when you think about, I mean, I, I, Mick Foley might be a guy you can kind of mention. I mean, he was upwards of 300 pounds at different points. I mean, I mean, some of these guys who are kind of on the cusp, you get like a Mick Foley or, um, you know, a, a guy, I guess similar to Rikishi, in that he wasn't always a a big guy, but he kind of got there. And that was uh, Adrian Adonis. Uh, yeah when he certainly when he was adorable Adrian Adonis he was he was a pretty big guy and, and still could move and still could really work and still could do crazy bumps even at that you know heavier weight.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we're going to miss plenty of these big guys. And let us know out there at the WPAN on Twitter uh, if you there's any big guys, any fat guys, any uh, larger gentlemen <laughs> that we're missing here. You
1: love slipping that in. <laughs> what do you think? You think because you're a fat guy now, you got carte blanche?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> uh, my people. It's my people. So uh, Brian, I think it's safe to say that there's kind of been a big man renaissance in. The independents all the way up to the top. People more and more, I think, are appreciating different kinds of wrestling, different kinds of matches, different kinds of body types. Uh, I think in the past, you would see two guys of larger stature in the ring and almost dismiss it and say, oh, Jesus, these two big, plodding, fat guys are going to bounce into each other for 20 minutes. But that's just not how it is, especially today. And I think... Uh, you're evident of it. You and the Bear City Bruiser and Ring of Honor. I would never think that uh, Ring of Honor would have guys of your ilk, you know, in featured spots on the card. But that is happening, and all over the independents, it's happening as well, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of a guy who just kind of popped up in NXT at NXT at the most recent Takeover, Keith Lee, and, and the type of uh, you know the type of things that. That he can do at his size. I mean, he just—I've never—I don't think I've ever seen a guy his size be able to do some of the athletic maneuvers and the dives over the top rope uh, with ease, just with complete yeah. utter ease. And you know, I think of Killian Dane was another guy who I first saw on the Independents and did some shows with, uh, who is now with WWE. Uh, he was big demo on the Indies and and just again the way he can move. And then uh, we can't go without mentioning our buddy warbeard hansen who at different junctures has been heavier or lighter um there was a time where i think he got down to 240 250 range but you know todd has always been to me better when he's bigger when when he it's more impressive when he's in that 300 pound range and moves and does the things he, he he does i mean if you're talking big guy you know big guys in professional wrestling todd's not the 400 pounder but he's a 300 pounder and um you'd be hard pressed to find guys who are 30 or 40 pounds lighter than him that that can move half as well and i mean at at, at this point would you say that would you say that you know, I guess it's tough now, especially with Tommaso. and, and it's kind of crazy to talk about guys who are buddies like this, but is is Todd the, the best wrestler that that we've ever encountered in our, you know, from guys that we came up with?
0: I probably. Yeah, I would, I would think so and it's really hard to for people to understand because I don't think they've seen half of what the guy can do.
1: No, no, but I mean I mean just even think about like <laughs> They're the war machine. One of their finishers is Todd doing uh, the leg drop from the from the top rope. I mean, it's you know the way he moves is, is insane, and and I'm so glad he's got the got the platform that that him and him and Ray Rowe have right now to just go out and show uh, what they can do, and and just just go become the enormous stars that they you know should be.
0: And what about Kevin Owens? like 10 years prior would a guy like kevin owens walk on to raw and challenge the biggest star in wrestling john cena
1: no absolutely there's not a not a chance in hell and and even still if you you re if you if you believe some of the reports that are out there now about them having a problem with his weight and whatnot and i, I just i will never understand that 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 crap i think you know WWE kind of has that history of, uh, I mean, I guess some other guys we're thinking of now, but Albert um, and, and Brodus Clay and that silly bullshit that they were doing and um, Bold Dempsey and, uh, you know, making fun of him and, and just, I just don't understand that silly bullshit. I gotta be honest.
0: Uh, what kind of bullshit are you talking about? Signing guys and then making them?
1: So they're just, they're just then you you sign them to to make fun of them, and you sign them because they're big guys and and they're unique to what you're offering, and then somebody gets mad because they're a big guy. It, it just doesn't it doesn't make any goddamn sense, um, you know. And then they the, with Bolt Dempsey specifically. I mean, thinking about the dudes eating chips and stealing people's food on you know on TV and just just embarrassing him for the for no other reason than he's a big guy, you signed him as a big guy, and then you're like, oh, shit, we signed this big guy. Why is he so fat?
0: Yeah, that was always just perplexing to me. I don't think it's happening as much these days. Maybe I'm just not up on the product, but I don't think Kevin Owens, they're not making fun of him, are they, these days?
1: No, I don't think, no, they're not making, I don't think they're making fun of him, but, I mean, clearly his momentum has has stalled quite a bit.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's I think that's safe to say, but there's no been no better time I think for the larger gentleman than than now. I mentioned him earlier. Fala ba is on national TV for Impact Wrestling, a, a larger gentleman that we've known for a long time, uh, making an impact, if you will, <laughs> pun intended.
1: Yeah, and I mean on the Indies, you think of some of the some of the guys. I mean, I think of a a guy who um, you know is getting everywhere now, and I see him, and he's a guy who started in this area, and uh, he's a guy who wants to be on this podcast, wants to be a guest uh, of ours on this podcast, uh, and somebody who who I think will get a bigger opportunity with some some large companies at some point, and that's Ace Romero, one of your many former tag team partners. (laughs) yes but yeah ace is a ace is a big impressive guy who can do uh impressive things and and he's he's gone out and he's moved he's moved halfway across the country to go get different places and have different experiences and uh he's a guy who probably the next year or so i think you're going to start seeing in 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 probably national companies at at some point i think so uh, yeah i mean the, the, the guys are out there and it really is a really great time to you know to be in pro wrestling and be a big guy um you know, it's it's still funny though to see some of the stuff with uh, um, with Ring of Honor, and you see sometimes you see TV reviews, or people will send me tweets uh, or whatever, and you know some unkind things. But they send them to you, no, like f- people who have seen them send them to me, not the not the okay. trolls that actually that actually do them. Yeah, will go out kind of out of their way to just be you know, I, I don't know, just very silly. It, it, it's 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 funny to me that. Some sloppy two hundred and ten pound guy, you know, who can't tie his own shoes is gonna criticize me for being a fat wrestler, but hey, such is life.
0: <laughs> and life is very good for for you and Ring of Honor and for other guys of your ilk out there in the independence, all the way up to WWE.
1: Yeah. Wait till me and the Beer City Bruiser become Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, and we'll see how people feel about Uh, a couple of fat guys in ring of honor
0: how long when when can we expect that
1: i don't know buddy i'm I'm not putting predictions on it i'll I'll just say this Uh, me and bruiser will be the world tag team champions at some point
0: in time for the msg show
1: (laughs) maybe (laughs) huh (laughs) we'll see if that
0: happens but uh yeah congratulations to you congratulations to keith lee actually yeah just the latest example of a guy of larger size just uh making things happen He's in NXT now, and can't wait to see what happens with him. And it's uh, Shane,
1: Shane Taylor, another guy. I, I feel bad missing people, but you know, in Ring of Honor, Shane Taylor doing great things. There's just so many of them. There's so many big guys deserving of opportunity that are finally getting them. So, yeah, yeah, it's getting better.
0: It is getting better. There's so many out there. We want to know. Let us know if you missed anybody at the WPAN on Twitter. Give us your take on the episode. Give us your favorite big man. Use the hashtag WPAN. Or if you want, call the voicemail line. That's the best way to get in contact with well, us. 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Get your voice on our show. Become a part of the wrestling podcast about nothing. 401-584. 584-9726. And if you want another podcast that you should really listen to, it's Booking the Territory with Mike Mills, Hardbody Harper, Doc Turner, all over there on the Booking the Territory feed, mikemills.podbean.com, the best way to find out more about Booking the Territory. They do shows twice a week. And our boys at our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. They talk about fat guys, skinny guys, all kinds of guys over there at OVP. Check out ovppodcast.com and uh, check in with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn each and every Monday. And on Thursdays, it's greetings from Allentown with PW. Peter Winson, he talks about one single episode of wrestling television and brings all of his uh, personal experiences, personal anecdotes, and, uh, you know, what's going on in the world at that time. It's all a part of Gritty Sam Allentown each and every week. Make sure to check out at GF Pod on Twitter and find greetings from Allentown on the Pro Wrestling on the feed, on Place to Be Nation, or on his own feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, Jason Stewart and all the rest over there. They got stuff going on all week long. Make sure to check it out. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Subscribe and enjoy. All right, Kingpin, it's time for this week's promo about nothing. But first... Nothing.
1: (laughs) This is a very sad day for you, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this is where I used to give you shit for not getting on All In.
1: (laughs) Well, you have to find more creative ways now, buddy.
0: I will. Well, All In, we just found out, will be broadcast in some form. That was announced by Cody, Nick, and Matt. There will be a, a live broadcast of the event, which is good news for everyone who couldn't get a ticket so that's the good news that we're going to be able to see all in on September first from Suburban Chicago, Illinois. So, good job to Cody, Nick, and Matt, and uh, see what you can do about the kingpin, right?
1: <laughs> we'll we'll see, buddy.
0: You'll be able to be a part of all in in some form or fashion, whether it's just by paying to watch the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky lucky me.
0: Lucky you. Kingpin, it is time for the promo about nothing. The year, 1993, and we are going back to Herb Abrams, UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation, not to be confused with Bill Watts' promotion of the same name, Herb Abrams' version of the UWF. We got our hands on an unreleased TV taping from uh, the UWF and this was done in North Dakota in 1993 and this is an unreleased promo from that TV taping by a newcomer to the UWF his name is Todd Becker let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing
2: hi I'm Todd from uh, Minnesota I'm coming to UWF um no good here you guys have to shut the door and leave, please. Could you do me a favor and keep people out of here? Well, we can pick can lock that door. Okay, Todd. Okay. Hi, how you doing? I'm Todd Becker. I'm uh, coming into UWF. Uh, U- uh, okay. Thank you. Hi, how you doing? I'm Todd Becker. i come out of Minneapolis. I'm coming into UWF. Uh, I hear there's a lot of competition here, good strong competition. I can't wait. I'm a newcomer in the industry. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing y'all here. Okay, Todd. Hi, how you doing? I'm Todd Becker. I just come out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I come to UWF. I hear there's a lot of competition. The competition's tough. I'm here. I'm a newcomer in the industry. And I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Uh, first of all, Hi, I'm Todd Becker out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Coming here in the UWF, the competition's tough. I'm here, I'm a new one in the industry, and I'm looking forward to wrestling for the
1: UWF. Nailed it! <laughs> you know, you know, Mike, there's, there's some promos you just watch, and it's like, it just transcends pro wrestling. It just... Jumps through the television screen at you, just grabs you by the hand and pulls you in, and and suspends your disbelief, and just you know touches you in such a way that uh, it, it, it profoundly impacts your life. This is not one of those. Promos. Oh, okay.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> come on, come on, Kingpin. You get your hard times promo. You get your Austin three sixteen, and you got your. I am a newcomer to the industry. I am a Todd Becker.
1: right Uh, where's he from
0: I believe if I'm not mistaken uh, somewhere on the outskirts of Minnesota
1: (laughs) Minneapolis Minnesota (laughs) Minneapolis Minnesota
0: yeah as I mentioned this footage is from a TV taping at the Minot State Fair in Minot North Dakota alright and it has never been shown on television obviously thank god Because Todd Becker would definitely not make the cut. Uh, The one moment to me, there's one point where Herb, you can hear Herb Abrams in the background, he's yelling at people to, you know, close the door or whatnot. And Todd takes this huge, deep breath. In that moment, I just feel for the gentleman. <laughs> he, he's just like he is, like scared out of his wits. He he's holding the microphone, but doesn't know how to hold it. It's like down by his nipple. He's talking through his nipple, and, and he's just like, <sighs> just trying to get through this fucking thing.
1: This is on par with, um I, I think, with Jumping Jeff Farmer. <laughs> like it's yep, it's it's up there. This is a this is a hidden gem.
0: Todd Becker, and he says he's a newcomer to the industry, as I mentioned. His first match that I found is listed as 1989, so he's four years in at this point.
1: According to cagematch.net, Mike, you know what his last career match was? Where? Who? 1996. He was defeated by Gold Dust.
0: Yeah, he was a, a long-time enhancement talent. He started out working for the AWA, based, of course, in his beloved Minneapolis, Minnesota. And then, yeah, he did a ton of enhancement matches for the WWF in the
1: 90s. Well, good for him. He had a solid career. just couldn't cut a goddamn promo to save his life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if it wasn't for the UWF going down in flames, if it wasn't for Herb Abrams being found naked, covered in baby oil, uh, with you know cocaine on under his nose, just dead in an office, uh, things would have looked up. Things would have gone a lot better, I think, for a guy like Todd Becker.
1: Well, yeah, cer- certainly, Mike. But I, I also do want to say, according uh, to CageMatch.net, Todd Becker's career professional record: zero win thirty-two. Huh. <laughs> he's the glass joe of pro wrestling <laughs>
0: <laughs> well best wishes and good luck to todd becker he is out there he's uh i don't think he's still wrestling that's for sure hopefully he's not like a spokesperson for a product on tv or anything like that uh, i think he was probably best in the private sector at this point
1: <laughs> not maybe a non non-customer service sort of role right Maybe a back, right. a back end sort of role
0: <laughs> right okay you have heard this promo about nothing if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com Kingpin you are hitting the highways and byways you are crisscrossing this great nation of ours you are applying your trade as a professional wrestler and you are good dates
1: I do Mike this Saturday I'm heading to Fairfax Virginia the Eagle Bank Arena for Ring of Honors International TV taping Fair Fairfax fairfax excellence i'll be there with all the stars of ring of honor and uh who knows maybe uh you know after after the events of uh the pay-per-view on friday night there could be a world champion there's a triple threat match on friday night for the ring of honor world championship at best in the world between dalton castle the current champ cody and marty scurl any any thoughts mike any predictions from you on who you think might might leave baltimore as champion
0: hmm dalton castle is coming off an injury I'm going to say you might be seeing a certain blonde haired gentleman once again. They bring him out a world champion.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, there you have it. you You are a master prognosticator.
0: Thank you so much
1: we'll see if that we'll see if that comes to fruition uh, but the following week Mike the month of July where the hell is this summer already going hmm. uh July the 7th I'll be heading to Bethany Connecticut for Northeast Wrestling go to northeastwrestling.com for ticket and full card information and find northeast wrestling on all social media platforms Then on Friday night, the 20th of July, not sure if I'll be there in attendance quite yet, but Ring of Honor returns to Nashville at the Municipal Auditorium the very next night in Atlanta, GA, Bad Street, Mike. Yes, Ring of Honor at Center Stage Saturday night at Center Stage. I will be there uh, for <laughs> Ring of Honor's international television taping. I'm heading back to Atlanta, and then at the end of the month, buddy, uh, the 29th of of July. I got a big day. I got two big events that day. Wow, how about that? Yeah, working a double shot. yes one at 11 a.m in newburyport massachusetts for atlantic pro wrestling and then that evening i'll be in worcester massachusetts at the white eagle in worcester uh, for beyond wrestling's american rana it's the biggest show of the year tickets are already flying fast for that so go to beyondwrestlingonline.com for ticketing card information
0: all right, big month of July for the Kingpin. Big month of July all around, I think, in the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing universe. But if you want to book the Kingpin, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on the Twitter at Brian Malonis. All right, Brian, we got through it. We are back next week, next Monday, for episode 115 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then! He is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mako. And thanks for nothing.